Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. This week, our guest is Mike Van. Mike has been investing in real estate for almost 20 years throughout Arkansas and Missouri, all while balancing a family and a full-time career in the medical device industry. Mike has built a $6 million personal portfolio across multiple asset classes from single-family homes to small multifamilies, apartments, and commercial properties. Having worked in the family construction business, he gained experience in both doing the work and project management. In 2017, after years of informally helping people through advice, mentoring, and sharing his knowledge of the business, he decided to formalize and scale those efforts to help other business professionals realize the security and freedom that can be attained through real estate investing. He's achieving those goals through apartment syndication and has been involved in the purchase of approximately 1,000 units in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Dallas-Fort Worth area. Today, I'm excited to talk with Mike about how he's been able to grow and scale his portfolio and all while doing that while having a day job and raising a family and all the other things that come with just living your life. So I'm excited to talk with Mike today. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right, today I welcome on the show Mike Van. Mike, hey, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, appreciate it, Jacob. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. Well, Mike, you and I were just kind of talking about our good buddy who is your partner, Rodney Miller, who was on the previous podcast with us. But we're going to get into all that in just a minute. Before we do, kind of take a minute and tell us about who you are, your background, kind of your journey into the real estate world, if you will. Sure, sure. Well, I've been working in the medical device industry for almost 20 years now. Uh, Before that, you know, I was doing construction my uh, through high school and college and stuff like that. My parents had a remodeling company. And uh, so I learned how to do a lot of this type of work. And naturally, it worked well whenever I started doing flips and stuff later in my real estate career. But in the medical device industry, I specifically started off in pharmaceuticals. You know, realized that after making your way through the couple rounds of layoffs that needed something better, more reliable than the corporate world. So got into real estate investing and kind of built up from there. Yeah, it's interesting, Mike, like, you know, people are kind of born and raised with that blueprint to go to school, get a good education, get a good job, right? I'm sure like you were, and you think that that's a path to some kind of stability, right? But you find once you are into the corporate world, like you say, you got to survive those rounds of layoffs and all those things. Something I experienced early in my career, which drove me to real estate investing. Sounds like it did do the same. So what Mm -hmm. did that kind of process look like for you in terms of like your intro into the real estate world? Sure, sure. So my parents had some rentals whenever I was growing up and doing the construction stuff. And so I always had kind of an interest in and knew that 
it was a good option for, you know, active, passive income, whatever you want to call it, depending on, on what your uh, setup <laughs> is. But yeah, as far as, you know, started off like a lot of people doing small, single family homes, uh, duplexes. My first one was actually a duplex. And after one of those phone calls where I actually made it through the layoff, went and got one of those courses from TV, you know, the Carlton Sheets course. And, right. And uh, studied that, you know, not a, the first time I studied it, put it on the shelf, didn't really do anything, didn't take any action, which is what a lot of people do. And then went back after another round of those phone calls a year later and put it to work, went out and drove for dollars, bought a duplex and changed jobs, moved to Texas and new job kept me busy. And it was only there for not even a year before I got promoted and moved up here to Missouri. And uh, once I got here, learned the lay of the land, flipped a few houses. And uh, that was about when 2008 hit. And, you know, I was flipping at the time and realized that, well, if no one can get credit, then they can't buy my flips and I'm going to uh, just stop. And so throughout that process over the next couple of years, as I kept educating myself, I was like, oh, crap, I don't need to be stopping. I need to be out buying everything I can get my hands on for pennies on the dollar. So uh, jump back in, put the word out there, which, you know, you have to put you have to let people know what you're wanting to do so they can, you know, find, bring deals to you. People aren't just coming knocking on your door. But anyway, through that process, I found a bank owned 16 unit complex, cashed in some of my uh, stock options that I had accumulated and used up for my down payment money. And I went from there. That's interesting. So when you were kind of getting into the real estate world with that first duplex, what was going through your mind? Was your goal, you know, to retire early? Was it just to supplement your income? Was it to, uh, you know, maybe kind of get a little bit more stability in your financial life? What was kind of the motivating factor in taking that first um, step? You know, really, as ignorant as I was back then, um, <laughs> I didn't really have any goals except for I just knew real estate was a good investment and I wanted yeah. to do something other than the stock market. Just felt right, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I knew, you know, obviously you're making some cash flow, although not a lot. You're making some cash flow. People are paying down your mortgage and you're building equity. I knew that part, you know, the basics of real estate, but, you know, wasn't even thinking about the tax benefits and all that stuff. But I knew I needed to to start doing something to build, you know, uh, a supplemental source of income in case one day I did not make it through those phone calls. Yeah, sure. So you start with the duplex, you think, hey, this multifamily thing is pretty cool. I'm going to do this, except on a bigger scale, you go out and get a 16 unit bank owned. Was that in about that 2008 timeframe? It was about 2010. When I closed on that, yeah, it was, like I said, you know, after when 2008, I think I sold my, because here in Missouri, things weren't hitting as hard as they were in other parts of the country until, you know, late 2008 or early 2009 even. And that's one of the things about the Midwest that I like is things don't really hit as hard here as they do in other parts of the country. You know, the highs aren't as high, but the lows aren't as low either. So anyway, I, uh, I bought that in 2010 and negotiated a fantastic deal on that and uh, exited that several years later for quite a good sum and 1031 that into an apartment complex. Now, when you say it all on the surface like this, it sounds easy enough, right? But you're doing this on the side of a full-time job. You've got a family. So, I mean, you're really busy. How are you juggling that at that point in time? And then Um, why, you know, like, it's not easy to do all this. You know, there's sacrifice as with anything that's worthwhile doing, there's sacrifice involved. The one thing I was not going to sacrifice was my family. And so I did not sleep a lot, you know, four hours a day, maybe five hours a day, 
because, you know, I'm up at 5.36 to go to the hospital. But the good thing about that job, too, is that it offers flexibility throughout the day, depending on surgery schedules and things like that. So I'm able to make phone calls, do analysis, things like that intermittently throughout the day. But yeah, it was a lot of late nights. After everybody goes to bed, you know, I'm down here in my office and crunching numbers and doing spreadsheets and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's not easy. It may sound easy as people explain it. Oh, I just did this or I just did that, but it's not easy. Yeah. It's like I bought a duplex, bought a 16 unit. Voila, here I am. You know, it's like, it sounds easy enough, right? right? But you get into it, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice that you've made and you're still continuing to do that today. Am I right? Right. Yeah. The, uh, still plugging away at the day job. The blessing and the curse about having a great W-2 is that, you know, you make some good money, but it takes a lot to replace that. You know, not to mention all the other benefits people don't think about as far as insurance and car allowance and cell phone allowance, and all those other things that are part of, uh, you know, expense account, things like that, that uh, besides just the actual you know, dollar figure. So I've got a, a number in mind that I need to make myself and not more than myself, my wife, make her comfortable for me to make that transition over out of the day job. Yeah, sure. So Mike, you, I know you've gone on to continue investing in real estate. So, you know, you bought that duplex, you were doing some flips, you kind of stopped that strategy, focused all in on multifamily, bought that Mm -hmm. 16 unit. What did your next step look like? Yeah. So I bought the 16 unit and I tell you, man, that was scary. The biggest thing I'd ever purchased, you know, at that point, it was really scary, but you know, you can't let fear rule you. You have to have faith and push ahead. And so after I saw that you know, my head didn't get chopped off after I bought that, I went out and started looking for more and, and uh, bought some other uh, multifamily, you know, some smaller stuff, four, five, six here and there. And then um, about 2012, I bought all those, you know, over that probably 18 month, 24 month time frame. And I've gotten so spoiled by the deals, you know, that my expectations were way out of line with reality. And so I probably passed up a lot of good deals that I still could have gotten. So, you know, in my mind, things had kind of slowed down. So I'm like, well, what do I do now? I'm not finding the deals like I was. So I started to talk to some other investors and ended up buying a package of single family homes from another investor that he had bought actually during the 2008 downturn and bought them for pennies on the dollar like I should have been doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I cashed him out at 85 cents on the dollar for everything that he had, or not everything, but some of the, uh, I went through his list and picked the select places out that I wanted to do and decided that I was going to, you know, help people get into home ownership, you know, through a lease option, lease purchase, contract for deed type scenario. And my property manager had been talking to me about that for years. And, you know, you hear about these people that kind of are predatory somewhat where they yeah. go out and look for people to, you know, give them five grand down payment money and they don't really care if they make a payment or not. They're just going to, take the property back and do it again. And, and I did not want to do that. Um, that's not the kind of person I am. And I want to truly help people. So I instructed him, we put a program together that we were going to take people that were truly just on the cusp of being able to you know, get their own home or qualify for their, their own home. And, and we transitioned several people from you know, renters to homeowners. And it makes you feel good to help people like that. you know. And then after we did that, ended up you know, during that time period, I came across a 27 unit complex that I had done some refis on my earlier properties and used those tax-free refi proceeds as down payment for the 27 unit, you know, along with a little bit of my own money as well. But then, you know, had through continued 
you know, communication and putting the word out there. Came across another deal that a lady's father was ill and she needed to get rid of some duplexes that he had built. So bought a package of uh, six duplexes from him. You know, got those for a good price. It was a win-win for both parties. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about what we do is we want to make money, but we don't want to take advantage of people. You know, we want it to be good for both sides. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the real estate industry, there are some of those less ethical investors, operators, if you will, right? Especially in that world of lease options and rent own yeah. type arrangements. But yeah. yeah, it sounds like you're doing it the right way. Something you mentioned I want to touch on, Mike, is earlier when we were talking about your motive to get into real estate investing, it was just kind of like, yeah, it just felt right. I knew it was the right thing to do, right? You mentioned a couple of those tangibles like cash flow and equity through principal pay down. Now, in my own experience, I've got into it thinking the cash flow is going to be great, right? And I invest in very strong cash flowing markets in Oklahoma and Texas. But what I found is that principal pay down, that equity buildup has been the biggest piece Perhaps, maybe I'd have to go back and really look at it, but it feels like it's some of the mm-hmm. biggest piece and one of the biggest advantages of investing in real estate because you're constantly able to keep the velocity of money moving, moving that equity in other properties, scaling up. And it sounds like that's just exactly what you did. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, because not only is someone paying down your debt, but at the same time, your property is appreciating, you know, whether it's a single family is appreciating because of the market or uh, multifamily it's appreciating because of, you know, the increase in NOI through, you know, rent increase and, and expense reduction. But yeah, you keep the velocity of capital moving and, and you can do amazing things with it. Now, nonetheless, even when you're doing this, you've got a W-2 supporting, you know, your investments, you're able to earn an income and invest your discretionary income, if you will, invest mm-hmm. that money. Nonetheless, you're eventually going to run out of your own money, right? Or if you're mm-hmm. you know, building a business, you're going to have more deals than you can take down yourself. So you probably eventually hit that point. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. You can only do so much with your own money unless you're willing to wait. And you can see that by the gray in my beard, I don't have a lot of time to wait. <laughs> so uh, I want to be able to enjoy the fruits of my labor. So yeah, in 2017, that first 16 unit I, I bought back in 2010, there was buildings on either side of my set of four that another gentleman had bought. And he came to me because I'm a buy and hold investor by, by nature. You know, I don't like to sell unless there's an opportunity to, you know, move up right like monopoly you know so he came to me and he's like hey i bought these buildings on either side of you now i'd like to buy yours i'm like well if you're gonna buy them here's my price and you know, i shot it out there and he said okay i'm like oh crap now i actually have to sell so uh, <laughs> so i got him to agree i said okay here's our agreed upon price you know we won't execute until i find identify a property for a 1031 exchange so i'm not putting put myself under any unnecessary time crunch and do something stupid because I have to. Yeah. Um, so uh, we did that, and um, just so happened, like within days of that, through a Facebook group that I was part of in, in down in Arkansas, um, someone posted, "Is anyone interested in a fifty-five unit apartment complex?" I said, "Aha! There's my opportunity." So it was just a couple of brothers that had owned it. So I immediately messaged him and said, "Yes, I'm. I'm interested. I can be down there in in two days. You know." Or, based on my work schedule to look at the property. So I went down there and by the time I got down there, he already had two offers on it. One was all cash and one was part cash and part owner finance, which he wasn't really interested in. So I was competing against an all cash offer. And uh, 
through, I spent a lot of time with the, with the guy on the property during that initial walkthrough. You know, his brother-in-law was his partner. He wanted to go with the all-cash offer. You know, I came back and, and it was just a little bit under asking. And I came back and offered, made him offer at asking, but it was still, you know, a finance deal. I had, I gave him a pre-approval letter from my lender, um, but still it was a finance deal. And so, yeah, but after about two weeks of a lot of phone calls, a lot of prayer and uh, not much sleep, I got the call that uh, they're going to go with me. That's awesome. It's so interesting how things like that sometimes materialize, right? Just when you least expect it or, you know, you just kind of put something out there into the world and you kind of see how things shape up. And sometimes I just find that to be so interesting how how Mm -hmm. things happen the way they do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, not my timing, but God's timing. I mean, I pray, you know, about my business as well as my family, everything, you know, and so I just ask for guidance and you put things out in the universe, as people call it, or, yeah. or, you know, in your prayer life. And I think that God answers prayers. And so that's, I believe what happened here. And so same with the whole deal about winning the deal. I mean, you know, they had an all cash offer from an experienced operator. And so, you know, but I, I and talked to him several times about my business plan and, you know, what I wanted to do with, with the property and, you know, take his baby, so to speak, and nurture it and make it pretty and, you know, help the community and all that kind of stuff. And, and they did not like the choice of management company that the other person had chosen because they kind of had a bad reputation yeah. of running properties into the ground, and which is a whole other conversation. But anyway, and so, you know, they chose me because of the relationship I had built and the business plan that I had expressed to them. So It's interesting to see how you've kind of methodically scaled up from that very first duplex to what was it, a 16 unit and a 27 unit and this 55 unit. And you're just kind of taking this thing and every time pushing yourself a little further, pushing yourself out of that comfort zone, I'm sure. So talk mm-hmm. to that aspect of just constantly kind of keeping yourself, you know, progressing and doing a little bit more than you're comfortable right. with. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you don't grow unless you get out of your comfort zone. I'm sure you've seen that infographic about, you know, the different zones and you got to get out of your comfort zone if you're going to do anything to make yourself grow. And, you know, at the same time, you're constantly educating yourself or you should be rather in the area that you're looking to excel at. And so, yeah, each time, you know, as I accumulated more equity that I could cash out and, you know, accumulated some more personal funds that I could cash out stock options or whatever, then yeah, I would grow and do bigger things. And it was 2017 when I did that deal in uh, Fort Smith, which is three hours away from me. I grew up there, so I knew the market. But yeah, 2017 and a few months prior to that, probably mid-2017, early 2017, I started listening to podcasts. I'd never even heard of a podcast before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started reading, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, all that kind of stuff, educating myself and started kept hearing about the syndication thing. I'm like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. You can actually buy large apartment buildings and partner with other people. And I always thought, you know, I don't want to take partners. It's a pain, you know, to deal with. I, you know, got a accountability to all these other people. But, you know, again, the corporate world, you're just a number. And I had an experience that made me realize that again after, you know, all these successful years in the device industry, 16 with the same company that uh, made me realize again that, hey, you're still just a number. And so I'm like, okay, I've got to accelerate my plan and chose to do that through a syndication route. So educated myself on syndication, joined a mentoring group in November 2017, just after I'd purchased that building and was in the middle of a large rehab on it. And through that process, 
found uh, by talking to experienced operators and specifically in apartment buildings that needed to change some things in the way I was doing my current project. So change gears with that and really made a big improvement in the operations and rehab plan and, and then eventually met my current partners through that deal. Yeah, that's awesome. So at some point that kind of light bulb clicked like, hey, syndication could be the route for me. I mean, I've been doing this, you know, apartment investing on my own pretty successfully, but if I want to grow quicker, scale up, it would benefit me to, you know, bring on partners, mm-hmm. strengths, complement my weaknesses and vice right. versa and all that right. stuff. And it's a huge mindset shift. It really is. I mean, not only with just taking on partners and having to be responsible and accountable to them and them to you, but the mindset of who's going to trust me with their money? Why would they trust me with their money? You know, and the responsibility of being a steward of other people's money, you know, it's huge responsibility. And then you have all the legal SEC compliance deal to deal with. And the lending's completely different, you know, than it is with commercial community bank lending, things like that. So yeah, a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to educate yourself on. And, but it's a huge mindset shift to actually think I can do this. Yeah, sure. It definitely is. Talking about bringing on those partners, Mike, what were you looking for? You know, what worked out well for you? Were you looking, you know, just, you weren't looking just for like a money partner, right? You're looking for somebody who's, you know, vision and values aligned with yours. So talk about Mm -hmm. that aspect of, you know, finding the right partner. Absolutely. You know, first and foremost, it's a personal ethical conversation that alignment of those values that with mine that, you know, we have the same mindset as far as kind of others before self and that, you know, it's not all about the dollar. Um, but then again, you know, the operational and business expertise outside of real estate, I think that is huge in the way of complementing the overall business. And so, yeah, you know, I had a lot of those conversations with a lot of different people. You know, of course, there's the most important is the would I have a bit sit down and have a beer with them test. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I'm kidding with that a little bit, but at the same time, you know, you want to have partners that you can hang out with and just have fun and have a conversation, enjoy life with, you know, besides just all business. And, you know, because it's, you're spending a lot of time with these people and uh, you want to make sure not only are they aligned with you ethically, morally, and from a business standpoint, but also in a life standpoint. Yeah, sure. And even further down that road, once you get to the point of bringing on passive investors to invest in your deals, you still need that kind of alignment of values and things with those passive investors, because you're mm-hmm. tied with them for, you know, at least Absolutely. five, seven, 10 years for the whole right, period right, of that yeah. asset. So yeah, not all money is good money. You got, you want to make sure that the people you bring in as investors are a educated and B have realistic expectations. I mean, that is huge in our business. Uh, well, in any business really is setting and, and managing expectations up front. And because, you know, like I said, all money is not good money. You want to make sure that you're investing with the right passives just because, I mean, you know, you want to have that alignment of interest and also, you know, realistic expectations. Sure. Well, Mike, there's many people out there sitting, listening to this conversation right now thinking, hey, I'm at that front end of where Mike was at one point in his career. I have a duplex, I have an eight unit, I have whatever it is, maybe a few houses, and I'm looking to scale to that next step or, you know, be able to continue growing my portfolio. What advice would you have for that person in, you know, maybe like that 10 or less unit trying to get to the next level? Uh, First and foremost, educate yourself, you know, align yourself with people who are at where you want to be. And, you know, don't just go out and, you know, buy a course or, 
join a guru program or whatever. I mean, you really have to vet those programs, but basically educate yourself. There's a lot of resources out there, you know, great podcasts like yours, books, tons of free resources and some you know, cheap resources that you can get your hands on to self-educate. But the main thing is find people that you can add value to that will be willing to, you know, partner with or mentor you along the way. Yeah, definitely great advice. Maybe how about some mistakes you see people make or you've made early in your career that, you know, you wish you would have done differently? Yeah, well, you know, early in my career, I would, you know, I just knew real estate was good. Uh, <laughs> you know, I knew, you know, income minus expenses, but I didn't really look at all the other little things that can pop up, you know, from an expense standpoint. Or, and so you really got to educate yourself on the numbers, what all numbers impact your bottom line. And, you know, financing is a huge thing. I mean, you know, a lot of the community banks will tie you to a 20-year amortization. And, you know, you can get in some of these, you know, agency loans uh, if your project qualifies, obviously, not, not with single-family homes and stuff like that. But, you know, where you can get non-recourse financing, which it means you don't have to personally guarantee it. You can get 30-year amortizations and super low interest rates. And so uh, educate yourself on all aspects of, of real estate. Yeah, sure. Talking about, you know, the benefits of holding down that W-2 full-time while investing, one of the things we didn't mention was the ability for it to help you qualify for those loans, right? So anytime I'm thinking about making that transition, I remind myself, hey, this W-2 is actually a pretty good asset. Not only does it pay for my living expenses, but it allows me to continue to qualify for these real estate loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, especially with the you know, community banks or, you know, it's not so much important with the agency lenders that they, they sure, look sure. more at, at uh, you know, track record and net worth and liquidity requirements. But yeah, absolutely. When you're talking about these smaller deals and as people are starting out, it is helpful to have good debt to income ratio, good W-2 to kind of give them comfort that they're going to get their loan paid back. Sure. And one of the reasons agencies look at it in that kind of lens is they understand that, hey, Mike, you individually might not be able to use your W-2 income to pay for this $50 million apartment complex, right? Like, numbers just don't work. So we need to make sure that you know how to operate the complex and that Mm -hmm. the complex can pay the debt itself. Right. And, you know, that's something else you talked about there that is important of aligning with experienced partners, because, you know, even at the point where I was, I may have been able to get an agency loan for a, you know, a 50 unit or maybe a 75 unit because I already own my 55 unit. But if you're going to go out and buy a 300 unit apartment complex, A, I wouldn't have the net worth or liquidity requirements to qualify for that. So you have to have partners that uh, you can bring in as key principals um, who are willing to sign on the loan with you that have that balance sheet to lend you, so to speak, but also the operational experience. Yeah, sure. Now, when talking about in syndication, you've kind of got two routes to it. You can take a more active approach or a passive approach, right? You're taking an mm-hmm. active approach through syndication, but there also is the passive side. So talk to the difference in those and why you chose to take the active kind of path. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, as you mentioned, there's active and passive, the general partnership and limited partnership is the way these things are split up. And the general partners, which are myself and my partners, we raise money from the limited partnership side. We put our own money alongside the people we raise money from on the limited partner side. So they're investing alongside us. Not, uh, We're not just placing their money like in a read or something like that. Right. So, But people who like their day job and are like their job and just want something to do with their excess cash and want to diversify from the market. It's a great way to do it through real estate. And you know, having a hard asset that you can go out and look and touch and feel versus a 
piece of paper that you never, you, you can't call up the CEO of IBM and say, Hey, what's going on with the stock? But you know, you can call me up anytime and I'll tell you exactly what's going on with our property. Yeah. Um, sure. It's a huge difference. Yeah. Somebody asked me why I like real estate and I'll ask you the question, but my answer was, well, you know, I'm simple minded and I can understand it, right? I can drive by and see it and touch it and control it and just, you know, understand it a little bit. I've got some kind of sense of its value and what it's worth and what it will rent for and income and expenses and things like that. Right. So what's your kind of answer now? Yeah. As far as why I like real estate. Yeah. Freedom. I mean, I love the, it. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the freedom it can provide for you from, you know, once you accumulate the cash flow that you need to get, replace your income, then that equals freedom. Something about the general partnership and limited partnership, you know, passive investors is, uh, you know, a lot of times people, you know, like I said, they like their job, they need something to do with excess cash. They know real estate's a good investment, but they don't want to go out and buy their own duplex or whatever and deal with tenants and toilets. So they, you know, the passive investors need to vet their sponsors, which is what a general partner would be. And, you know, educate themselves on the numbers, on how they arrive at those numbers. And, and when they place that money with the sponsorship group, then they can just kick back and get a monthly report and a quarterly check. Maybe a question to ask oneself if they're trying to determine the active versus passive approaches. Do I like to sleep greater than four hours per night, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten up to, you know, five to six hours most nights now. Now we're in luxury. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's been a lot of fun talking with you about your journey and your path from that very first duplex to now as a successful real estate syndicator. Before we wrap up for the day, I'd like to end with the lightning around just a series of questions we fire at every one of our guests. Are you up for it? Sure. Let's do it. All right. The first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what'd you do to overcome that? Probably the biggest hurdle was writing that big check. I mean, taking action, you know, that, that's really it. I mean, education without action equals stagnant. You know, yeah. Uh, taking action is the biggest thing to overcome. For sure. Do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? Prayer is big with me. You know, I've got a strong faith and, you know, I pray through everything that I do. But yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I would contribute to my success. Yeah. Well, do you have an online resource you find valuable in your day to day? Yeah. I mean, you know, I listen to podcasts still, you know, and uh, educate myself continuously. You know, look at market reports, things like that, real estate journals, you know, industry metrics and things like that, just to continuously educate yourself on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, great. Well, Mike, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Well, if you're just getting started uh, or thinking about getting started, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad is the one that started it all for a lot of people. I mean, it's really more of a mindset book than a, you know, real estate how-to book, but mindset's the biggest thing. You know, the, the, the space between your ears is the most limiting thing for most people to get started in real estate. And, you know, once you, if you're wanting to get into syndication, I think Joe Fairless, his latest book is phenomenal. It gives you the A to Z for the beginner. That Uh, thing is like a textbook for apartment syndication. I love it. it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Everybody knows it. If they haven't heard it on this podcast, somehow we'll link it in the show notes. And then that is the best ever apartment syndication book. If I've got that title right by Joe Fairless. We'll also yes. link that in the show notes. Mike, last question in the lightning round. If you were to go back and give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you tell yourself? Well, since I didn't get started until I was about uh, 
30, I would have told myself, start now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing with real estate is, you know, there's never a bad time to get in. People even say, oh, well, I'm going to wait till the market bottoms out. It's, there's never a bad time to get in. It's just all about finding the right deal. Yeah, sure. Well, Mike, hey, you're continuing to invest. You're practicing what you're preaching and you're helping other people get into this world of real estate investing. Tell us about what you're doing today through Trident Multifamily. Uh, well, we're out looking for deals. Uh, we uh, actually just lost out on a best and final on a deal down in Huntsville, Alabama. You know, it's tough. You hurt for a few hours and then you just plug back in and keep going to the next one. We hopefully will get a successful LOI negotiated this week on another deal in Tulsa. That will be our uh, third acquisition in, in Tulsa. We're really, really close on terms on that one. But yeah, other than that, you know, we're really looking forward to getting back out on the uh, circuit for all these conferences, man. Zoom's great, but man, nothing better than face-to-face -face interaction. Completely agree. I'm looking forward to the next conference. I don't even have one on my calendar at the moment. So really looking forward to kind of getting back out there and, you know, interfacing with people and just kind of getting mm -hmm. to talk with people just like this. Right. Right. Well, awesome, Michael. Hey, if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, reach out to you, where's the best place for them to do so? Uh, you can go to our website, tridentmultifamily.com. All social medias, Facebook, LinkedIn, Trident Multifamily. Send me an email, mike at tridentmultifamily.com. Shoot, just give me a call, 417-576-8850. Love to talk. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Well, as we're wrapping up here, any parting piece of advice would you like to leave with the audience members? Don't wait till tomorrow. I'll start today. I love it. Well, Mike, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to having you back on in the future. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Mike Van. Hey, I hope you got so much value from that conversation. If you like what you heard, please go over and leave a rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. As always, for more information, resources, and to connect with me, you can do so at www.jacobayers.com. Until next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.